tell us? You think we could listen to the radio or something? Radio? <laughs> Who needs the radio? Ready, Harry? <laughs> Mock! Yeah! Mock! Yeah! 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 Look, there's some people who want to ride too! Pick them up! We are mere weeks away from the NFL draft, and things are heating up for your Dallas Cowboys. Depending on what happens in free agency, they'll be selecting the newest crop of players to don the star and hopefully help this team claim Super Bowl number six. So welcome in to an early mock draft edition of About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic. I'm Kent Garrison, forever your sickest kid here producing and keeping my thoughts to a minimum. As I let our Cowboys experts here at The Athletic guide you through the treacherous waters of free agency and the draft. And remember, you can follow along with all of their award-winning work and all of our off-season coverage here at The Athletic by becoming a member of our athletic community. You can secure your subscription good through March of 2021 now at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys for a 40% off discount. And that rounds out to about $3 per month. So give that grande, skinny vanilla latte away to somebody every month and get the most exceptional sports coverage you can get anywhere. And that also includes Dane Brugler's upcoming 2020 draft guide at no extra cost to you. And I've taken a peek at that thing. You're going to want this draft guide when the draft hits come April. Also, Dane Brugler and Chris Burke are hard at work on their Prospects to Pros podcast. So if the NFL draft interests you at all, you're definitely going to want to subscribe to their podcast. So, again, it's theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys for 40% off. So now it's time to welcome in our panel. Guess who's back? Back again. I'd say he's the M&M of the podcast because he's got quite a way with the written word. It's Father John Mishoda. Hey, John. I'll take that. That's that's maybe the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Oh, Wow. I was going to say you're the Father John Misty of the podcast, but I thought that would go a little bit over your head. Didn't know if you're a fan, but I know you like like some Eminem, right? Detroit? Well, I'm familiar with Father John Misty because of KT, uh, but I wasn't before. Um, but yeah, no, Eminem, uh, we're from the same, pretty much the same part of the country. Both from the 8 Mile. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good to have you back as always. And we're welcoming back to the show. He's been out on the scene covering all of your dfw sports i'd say he's the beach boy of the podcast because he gets around it's Saad yusuf howdy Saad. what's up fellas it's been a minute it has been a minute have you tried out for any local teams lately maybe xfl <laughs> walk on no, but I almost really did try out for uh, FC Dallas soccer, oh, and uh, it didn't it didn't work out. But yeah, that that came pretty close to happening. Well, man, you're going to need to do that. Maybe the Dallas Sidekicks would have you <laughs> put in a call there. Yeah, of course he's back in the hosting chair. I'd say he's the Brandon Flowers of the podcast because all he does is kill it. He's my Mister Brightside. It's Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT. Thank you very much, Kent. I will take that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was worried about what direction you were going to go for me there because I think it could have gone a, a number of different ways, uh, some good or bad. So I appreciate that. Man, we're, we're here now uh, under 50 days until the NFL draft, and we've put together a little science experiment here. We all have gone and used the old Draft Network's mock draft machine, and we've pieced together some Cowboys – seven-round mock draft action. I did the full seven-rounder last night, guys, and uh, really they, they haven't added comp picks yet. I think we can assume – I'll start with you, John. I think we can assume the Cowboys are going to get a comp for Cole Beasley. Probably a fifth-round pick would be probably what we're looking at. Is that what you would kind of uh, guesstimate there? Yeah, that's what it seems like right now. Um, and we should know that. I would think pretty soon, uh, and it would be nice for our mock draft scenarios if we did know that. But yeah, somewhere at the end of the yeah, fifth right. round, it sounds like you know they'll get an, another pick there, which which obviously helps um, because they don't have a sixth rounder that they traded to the Miami Dolphins in, in exchange for Robert Quinn, and so uh, it would help uh, even out this draft if they had that other fifth, which it sounds like they will be getting. Uh, I saw Saad tweet this morning. Uh, that who knew that doing a seven round mock draft could be this fun? Have you been have you been enjoying this process, Sod? Yeah, so I actually have seven. <clears throat> excuse me, I have seven mock drafts uh, that I've done in the last two hours, and I've been having a lot of fun with this. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> it's it's like going Christmas shopping. It's 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 absolutely a joy. You wonder how many uh, you wonder how many NFL teams use scenarios like this. You know, yeah. do they get all their scouts in a room and say, all right, guys, we're going to do a fake draft here, assuming maybe it goes like this. What are we going to do so that they are kind of rehearsed or do they just fly by the seat of their pants on draft day? I wonder that. I think the good teams do that for sure. I think they, they settle in and go over just about every scenario possible. And they do that with the, with the salary cap as well and things like that. Well, what mm. do we have if this free agent goes here? So I, I do think they they do that. But, you know, as we, we've seen with the draft, you never know. And. For this team, I think you can tell that the obvious needs are defense. We'll see what happens with Amari Cooper. That could obviously change things. Free agency could change things. But for this uh, experiment, it's it's pretty fun to go through it. I kind of I did a couple just like you saw. I didn't do seven of them, but I did a few. And I was kind <laughs> I went with I went with kind of the most realistic first round situation, and then I, what really opened my eyes is how wild things are going to get in this draft. And it seems like we say that every year, but there's a potential for a lot of good things. So let's start with Father John. Father John Michaud of the Dallas Cowboys picking at 17. Who did you get there uh, in the middle of the first round? All right, so I've done three of these, and then I was like, well, I'm going to wait until right before we record the show, and I'm going to do one more, and and I'm going to go with that one. And so in this scenario, I mean, this is just a a fantastic scenario for the Cowboys. They would love this because – Um, I went with Javon Kinlaw, um, and the reason why that was possible is because, you know, four quarterbacks were gone, you know, a bunch of the offensive tackles. But here's the other one was that uh, four wide receivers all went off the board, like within, I don't know, five or six picks before I drafted. So C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, uh, Jerry Judy, uh, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson were all off the board. So I I was sitting there. I could pick between Kinlaw, C.J. Henderson, Gladney. Uh, and AJ Epinesa, and so I was like, man, if the if the Cowboys are facing that, I think they'll be they'll be pretty happy. So it came down to Kinlaw and CJ Henderson. I went with Kinlaw because I just don't know that you're going to find that good of a defensive tackle uh, any other part of this draft, and, and certainly not in free agency with what they're going to be willing to spend. Before we get to Saad, I'll tell you that in my scenario, I had Kinlaw as well, 
and Javon Kinlaw from from South Carolina, to me, he is the guy that really stands out. And we'll, maybe maybe Derek Brown from Auburn because he tested so poorly gets there. I highly doubt it, but maybe he does fall a little bit. Kinlaw is the one realistic guy that we've talked about that I'm not moving away from. I'm not trading back. If he if Javon Kinlaw falls into my lap, I'm taking that player. Because I honestly think getting him at 17 is really great value. So he's the one guy I'm not moving away from no matter what. But, you know, I was looking at – think about the quarterbacks. Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Justin Love from Utah State. There's four. Let's say three wide receivers potentially go. Judy, Lamb, Ruggs. I doubt all three of them go before 17, but let's put them in the mix there. There's seven players. I got four offensive tackles that I feel pretty good about three or four of them going before the Cowboys pick. Uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Becton from Louisville, Worse, uh, Werfs from uh, Iowa, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Just doing the math here, guys. That's 11 guys all of a sudden. Okay, Chase Young, we know he's gone, so there's 12. Let's throw Derek Brown and Kinlaw in there. There's 14. Oh, yeah, we haven't mentioned Isaiah Simmons yet. There's 15. Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. And C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida. A piece together away for the 17 players where I think if you got any of those guys, you'd go, all right, we've got a chance to get our guy. The question becomes, do three of those wide receivers go? Do four of those offensive tackles for sure go? And who else slides up? Caleb on chase on from LSU or someone like that. So I have Ken Law, and I'm excited about Ken Law. Uh, it's, a, it's a situation – to me, like it's a combination of freakazoid, Jadavian Clowney type traits, but just not as bendy and able to get around the edge like Clowney was in college. But there's no one who's three twenty five and six foot six that moves like that. It's I mean it's a freakish thing, assuming he's healthy, and that's the big question with him. So I think John and I are off to a good start on this mock draft side. The pressure is now on you. Uh, well, I hate to kind of. Uh, disappoint the audience and, and I do I do want to make it clear that I, I'm picking one mock draft I'm not going to be jumping around all seven of mine I'm <laughs> picking my favorite one and yeah my favorite one also I have Javon Kinlaw at number 17 it's it's really hard to have that have him there and just go in any other direction because I do feel like it's a difference maker for all the reasons you just said KT but also I think when you look at it that's the one position where uh, as far as the defense goes, that I feel like you know it, he can be a difference maker no matter what. So for me, I had Kinlaw and guys like Delpit and Xavier McKinney on the board, but in my mind, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, if Xavier Mc, if I take Xavier McKinney, like how what good is a safety in an overall really bad defense? Like a really good safety and just you you can throw away from him. Same thing with a corner, right? But I feel like. When you have a guy like Javon Kinlaw down in the middle that's a presence like that, now that's a foundation piece that not only you can build around, but you already have a guy in Demarcus Lawrence that's also going to be creating pressure there. So at least with getting a guy like Kinlaw, so basically my explanation is why I went Kinlaw over McKinney or Delpit, and that's really just because I think you fortify one part instead of sprinkling talent a little bit of talent all throughout the defense and then really be left with nothing, if that makes sense. 
And I don't think the audience will be disappointed in that because I guarantee you things are going to get weird for the rest of this mock draft as we go forward. So I don't think it's a it's a thing. Uh, let's get Kent's first rounder, and then I want to bounce back and see just the other names that you guys stumbled upon in the first round real quick. But Kent, who do you have with your first round pick uh, in the Cowboys mock? Yeah, I did two different mock drafts, and the first one I did had Joe Burrow falling to Miami in the first round, and I think there's absolutely no <laughs> chance that that happens. So I did that whole mock draft, and I basically threw it out in the garbage because it was so unrealistic that uh, there's no way. But on that draft, I took C.J. Henderson, the cornerback, uh, with with the first pick because uh, – of obviously the need uh, in the defensive backfield for the Cowboys, uh, the freakish combine that Henderson had, the traits are all there. Seems to be a Byron Jones type player in terms of the athletic ability. And we all know that Byron's pretty much out the door. So if you're looking to fill that gap uh, efficiently in the first round and, and not to worry about much in this draft, what you're going to do there, uh, that was CJ Henderson. But in my real actual draft, I took AJ Epinesa, the the defensive end, the edge rusher. Um, I talked to Dane a little bit about this player, and I've seen him talk about him on Twitter and on Prospects to Pros. He says that he beats his players, uh, his tackles, in J.J. Watt-like uh, pass rush moves. He's got traits of that. He's he's a smart player. He uh, gets to the quarterback. And, you know, if there's anything that this Cowboys defense hasn't done enough, probably over the past couple of seasons, at least in Garrett's regime and in uh, Rod Marinelli's regime, it was get to the quarterback. And if you've got a chance to get a top three edge rusher in this draft, I think the Cowboys would probably jump on that opportunity. So uh, that's why I put uh, that's why I picked AJ Epinesa uh, with pick 17. That becomes an interesting scenario. If, if they don't get Ken Law, maybe they're unable to keep Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. Are they are they pressed to go that way? And Epinesa at 17, I don't think it's bad. I think that's a good landing spot for him. I think Ken Law is more of a, whoa, he's at 17, we have to take yeah, him. Yeah, he wasn't situation. on my board. He, he, was, uh, uh, he was who I wanted, but he, he was gone like two picks before I could uh, snatch him up. So I was left Epinesa's- with uh, – with you know some safety options, of course. C.J. Henderson was actually still on my board, but I didn't want to do that again on this on this draft. So, yeah, Epinesa stuck out to me, and um, I could totally see the Cowboys uh, going edge rusher there. The thing that's going to be a big question mark with Epinesa is the fact that he ran of a three cone drill was not uh, elite, but it was actually better than average. His forty yard dash was a little slower than people thought, and you kind of need your you know, 40s aren't uh, end-all, be-all at all when it comes to edge rushers. But you do want those guys being a little faster than him. But, man, I there's nothing he did in his testing that made me go, oh, I'm scared of him because that, it's not who he is. He's not this, like, flashy, you know, speed rusher. He is a strong, powerful, good run defender and can kind of win with little subtle bursts of quickness and smarts and intelligence. So he's not that burner off the end that Robert Quinn is or that Randy Gregory is. He's really a guy who's more of a, you know, the Demarcus Lawrence mold in terms of playing the run and also kind of finding a way to get to the quarterback. He's, he's a good player. Um, so I got no no qualms about taking him at 17 if he's there because I am worried about that defensive line if Robert Quinn's not here. Yeah, when I did this, I kind of did mine off of the fact of, hey – 
I'm figuring that even if they don't get Robert Quinn, they're going to make some type of a move to add some pass rush during free agency so that it's not a must position that they have to uh, draft. But they'll be in a position where they'll have enough depth there that they won't have to reach. But if, hey, if there's a good pass rusher there like Kinlaw or if they really like A.J. Epinesa, that they're fine with drafting him there. Um, I just feel like the way that they're going to set themselves up is that they're just going to really need to address defensive back early in this draft. And going through these mock draft scenarios, you know, just with this draft network site, if if you weren't getting a corner, at least in the couple times that I did it, if you didn't get one in the first round, like it started getting kind of sketchy there in the second and third. And I just really feel like with them letting Byron go, I, I think I just really feel like they're going to need to get a corner here. And so, well, yeah, it'd be great if they get Kinlaw there. I, I just I don't think he's going to make it all the way to 17. I think it's more likely that they have a, they're picking from whatever that second best corner is after Okuda comes off the board. And right now it appears that'll be C.J. Henderson. I think that's the most likely scenario as of right now. If you told me to pick a guy that you think will end up being the Cowboys pick at 17. Yeah, and and one thing that I kind of found interesting in when I was thinking about what to take at 17 is. You know, I there there's a few offensive players that were intriguing um, on the board there, and that's where I was like, do the do the Cowboys just kind of go like you know just completely disregard the defense and just go all all on on the offense and say you know what we're just beating teams 38 35 this year and that's just how it's going to have to be and, and and not even address it. But again, I think Kinlaw was just a guy that that you know is hard to pass up, but. That was definitely something that I was considering when I was making the pick in, in the first round. You know, I've heard other people say that, you know, talking about going, let's say they go rugs there or they go a wide receiver there somewhere to like outscore teams. I just don't know why that why they would go with that strategy after it's not like they had a bad offense last year. They had one of the better offenses right. in the league. And what did that get them? Eight and eight. I just I don't know. It, it just seems crazy to me to think that they're just going to com- completely go all in on offense, regardless of what happens with Amari Cooper and go wide receiver there. If there's a if let's say Ruggs is there and they really like him. I, I just there's just so many holes on defense. I don't see how they can do that. Now, if Mark Cooper isn't back and somehow they lose him in free agency because they aren't able to sign Dak and they have to franchise him. Then yeah, I can see a wide receiver being in place there. Um, but if they if they if we're going into this draft and they have Amari Cooper and they have Randall Cobb and you know you obviously already have Tony Pollard and 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 Zeke and uh, you're going to get a bigger role for Blake Jarwin. You have this offensive line coming back. You have Dak. I, I mean, yeah, of course you can always get better, but it just the the glaring holes on defense just seem way way bigger of a priority. And their draft strategy under Will Mill, their draft strategy under Will McClay has always seemed. Kind of clear, kind of, uh, uh, I would say somewhat easy to predict. I, I'm not, but uh, they, they're a team that's benefited from getting a wide receiver, you know, by waiting and Michael Gallup in the third round. And each year there's so many wide receivers, and we're seeing this over the last five years. There's so many good wide receivers in the draft from a depth standpoint, maybe not high end, but from a depth standpoint. And I think you can wait at wide receiver in this draft more than any that I've ever covered. So and I, combine that with, immediate success and holding out for a wide receiver a couple years ago and getting Michael Gallup and you kind of go, okay, yeah, no need to reach there at wide receiver. But I understand the people who want to go that way. I just think you got to really have a situation where Amari Cooper's not on the team before you're drafting a wide receiver at 17. Uh, let's move it on to the second round. This is where things start to get, uh, get a little creative, I would imagine. Uh, Father John, what do you have as your second round pick for the Cowboys mock? You know, it kind of ties into what you said about Will McClay. You kind of know where he's going to go just off of his draft history. And generally, it's bigger school guys. And so I'm going against that. Go against that, And 
maybe it's just because I like Kyle Duggar and I've heard a lot of things about Kyle Duggar. So I went with Kyle Duggar there at a Lenore Ryan, uh, the safety. I just think he, he just fits today's NFL. He can do a lot of different things. And obviously, as everyone knows, that listens to the show and follows the Cowboys. Uh, we've been trying to give them a safety uh, for a long time. And so uh, while I'd like to go corner there after going Kinlaw in the first round, uh, there just was, I didn't really like what was there at corner. And then as far as edge rushers, that, that was probably the next most intriguing thing. And cause there was Julian Okwara from Notre Dame and Curtis Weaver from Boise State. But I was like, I don't know. I just thought it was too good of a value to get Duggar there. And, and, you know, in talking to Dane at the, at the combine and, and the way he saw things unfolding, uh, you just really felt like probably Duggar wouldn't even make it there to 51. And after, you know, those that he thinks of him as being in that upper tier of safeties. And after he was gone, he was saying it drops off quite a bit there. And, and I don't see them spending anything significantly on a safety and free agency. So if they're going to improve the safety position, I don't know how much better you can do than getting Kyle Duggar in the second round. One thing about him, you know, he also brings punt return value as well. And maybe you still want to give uh, Tony Pollard a chance at, you know, returning kicks or whatever, but he's going to give you punt return value for sure. You know, my, my thing on Kyle Duggar is when you look at the Cowboys draft history, they've also really fallen in love with spark athlete athletes, uh, athletes who score well in spark testing. Um, and he is going to, he is going to be one of the top sparks once that's all done. I guess that could all change with his pro day, but his combine numbers were out of this world, which is ever what everyone knew was going to happen. Four, four, nine, 40, uh, you know, a broad jump that's in the 97th percentile. You know, it's just everything about him is is really good besides the fact that he went to Lenore Ryan. That's a, the big question. But I think hope for those guys, the safety that could fall a little bit. As last year, if you would have told me 48 days before the draft, like we are now, that Taylor Rapp, that Nasir Adderley, that Juan Thornhill were going to be on the board in the second round when the Cowboys pick, I would have said you're crazy. And sure enough, all three of those guys were there. Safety, we've seen over the over the last couple of years, seen those guys kind of fall a little bit. You haven't seen teams reach in the draft for a safety. So maybe there's a chance Duggar's there at 51 and, and it you know, the safeties push a little bit. So I think Duggar's a guy they should definitely have their work on and be ready for because I do think there's a decent chance he's there at 51. Let me ask you this real quick, KT, since you've watched mm-hmm. these corners a lot closer than I have. So basically when I went with Duggar, the other corners that were on the board, at least the top ones on this particular site, were Jalen Johnson, Cameron Dantzler, let's see who else, Troy Pride, and Bryce Hall and Damon Arnett. Do you like any of them better than Kyle Duggar with in mind that you took Javon Kinlaw in the first round? I like Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State more than Kyle Duggar, but what makes this very difficult is that Cameron Dantzler went to the Combine, and he's 6'2", I mean, he's a bigger, longer guy. He went to the Combine and ran a 4.64. And if you look at the history of those slow cornerbacks, you can't name many of them. Richard Sherman comes to everyone's mind. I think Casey Hayward in, uh, with the Chargers comes to mind. He ran like a 4.56. But those guys who are running the upper 4.5s, Running four six, like those guys. There ain't many of them. Josh Norman, you know, has not never been like a burner. Uh, but like, th- there's, you don't have a lot of examples after those three. You start looking at corners year in year out. Those guys are running in the four fours, low four fives. And the fact that he ran a four six four did scare me. But you know, he he went up against some really good competition. Cameron Dantzler did. And I I love the player. Have a second round grade on him. 
You're not going to have a late two, early three on Duggar. Um, you know, Cameron Dantzler, the last two years in the SEC, he allowed less than 500 yards, and he's just really long, 6'2". He's 180, but he plays physical. I, I really like him. I like his ability to stick with receivers down the field despite the time that he showed at the Combine. So it's one of those things where you go, how is his pro day going to look? How are the private workouts going to look if the Cowboys work him out? Because it's a guy I think you should be interested in. I think it's a guy you should be doing a lot of homework on because the combine terrifies me. I would take Dantzler over Duggar, but not over anyone else that you listed there. So, yeah, you're right about that that cornerback depth. Uh, before we go to you, Saad, I'll just say it while we're on the, on the topic. My second-round pick is a cornerback. It's a guy we probably haven't talked much about. A.J. Terrell from Clemson was still on the board. I actually think that's kind of realistic. He had an excellent combine. He ran a 4-4-2 that woke everyone up. Um, he's 6'1", 195. He got torn up by Jamar Chase at LSU, but, I mean, joined the club, right? I mean, anyone that tried to cover Jamar Chase. Uh, Trevon Diggs from Alabama, the cornerback there, he got torn up by uh, Jamar Chase. For me, with, with A.J. Terrell, I think he's a pretty good mover. I think if he's on the board, you would kind of go, oh, he's still here. So he was still on the board for me. I went ahead and took him. Uh, so, yeah, I think cornerback, if you're lucky, <laughs> you can get something there in the second round. But, man, that's rolling the dice if someone like Kinlaw falls in your life in the first round. It's rolling the dice if you don't go corner in the first and you let Byron Jones go, which is ultimately why I would still try to sign Byron Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for them to sign Byron Jones, but obviously signs indicate otherwise. Um I did also have Duggar on the board, uh, I, I, and it really came down to two people for me, and I t- chose the other person. Uh, I chose Curtis Weaver um, off the edge for Boise State. Now, a couple of reasons why. Um, it kind of goes back to why I thought you know Kinlaw was a good pick in the first round, where I'm kind of more in fortifying one unit before, you know, instead of having my talent scattered all over the defense, I'm, I kind of really want to build from the inside out. Um, kind of how they ha- they've done on offense as well. So um, I'm under the impression that Robert Quinn's not going to be back. Um, you take Ken Law, Curtis Weaver there. Obviously, the Boise State connection runs really deep for this team anyways. Um, you pair him there with Demarcus Lawrence, also a Boise product. Tyron Crawford, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. But um, but Curtis Weaver there, you know, Duggar, Duggar was in- intriguing to me, but um, but again, I don't know how much of a difference he'll be able to, to make if all the talent around him is just so bad. I think he'd just get picked apart there in the back end. But so, yeah, I went with Curtis Weaver. I, I actually, I like the pick more than maybe I would have a week ago. And again, I'm not uh, combine changes everything guy, but he went out and ran a seven second three cone drill was like, you know, one of the best for edge rushers right there. And watching him on tape, you go, I don't really see a bendy guy. I kind of see a stiff guy. In fact, uh, I talked to someone who watched him work out recently, and they texted me because he looks kind of chunky, which is probably not a good definition of a pass rusher. (laughs) But, yeah, combine everything you said about the Boise State connections, all those things, 34 sacks in three years. He's a very productive player, relentless, hard worker, doesn't stop. He's more of a power rusher than a speed rusher guy. Um, but, you know, he's got some pass rush moves. He'll, he'll knife inside. He'll try to win around the edge. But, you know, I, I worry about how stiff he looks sometimes. And then he goes to the combine and the drill that kind of tests your flexibility, he aced it. 
So I, I'm, he's a bit of a conundrum for me, and he's going to get more time, you know, watching tape on trying to get to the bottom of it. I, I think he's definitely gotten to second round range. And, you know, and, and in your scenario, Saad, for your draft, where you would uh, be going in this situation, Kinlaw and then Curtis Weaver from Boise State, D-line edge, you know, that's where you kind of go, well, maybe in free agency they didn't keep Robert Quinn or weren't able to keep Robert Quinn, but they were right. able to keep Byron. You know, and that's where, th- you know, things can kind of change. I mean, it feels like the writing's on the wall and that's over, but – it's it's interesting how how so much can change after and we should do this exact same podcast again. We should redo it after free agency too, just to kind of change things up a little bit because I think I think we will kind of see the way they think about things change. But I like Weaver. I think it's a good pick in the second round. Um, let's go to Kent. Kent, who you got in the second round? Yeah, man, you're, you're right, KT. This did get crazy in the second round. There was a lot of players I didn't expect on the board, and one of those players that was on my board was Grant Delpit at safety. And so I snagged Grant Delpit uh, with pick 51. Don't think that's likely at all, but uh, if it was likely, I got, like to assume the Cowboys would do that, given the lack of, I guess, consistency uh, with the safety play over the past couple of years. So Grant Delpit was my pick at 51. Can you just imagine if he was there and they didn't take him? Like it's like a Juan Thornhill, Taylor Rapp, Nasir right. Adderley thing all over again where you're like, all these guys are there. I can't believe he's actually there. This is a position we desperately need. And we're going to pass. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no no way. I mean, Delpa was not even close to being on my board at, in the second round. But if he's there, I don't think there's any question you have to take him. You know, I, I to me – not taking him there shows a, a bit of incompetence right there because to me he's a clear first round player and I know there's questions about his tackling. Uh, he's been banged up and he didn't you know work out at the combine and he came in and measured some really short arms. But you know, look, don't overthink the guy. The guy's a good player. I mean, Derek Brown from Auburn had a horrible combine. You know, did some drills he probably shouldn't have done in my opinion. Don't overthink that. He's a top ten pick. With Delpit, he's a first-round player, and I, I just I don't think you can over overthink that too much. I, I really like how he can do a little bit of everything. If you need him to, to come down and, and play in the box, we talked about his tackling, but at least he's there and has the body and the frame to do it. And I think once everything's healed, I mean, his shoulder was messed up and no one talked about it. That's going to affect your range of motion. It's going to affect how you tackle. He was a good tackler in 2018. He did miss some tackles, but he was still overall, I thought he showed good body control and was a good tackler on tape in 2018. But the range to play free safety, the ability at 6'2", 215 to go play with the tight end if you need to, to go cover a slot guy if you need him to. I mean, he can do all that stuff because he's fluid. And I, I just think – you know he's got to be gone by then, but I'm not, again I'm not surprised, man. Last year the best free safety from a range standpoint, from a flexibility standpoint, was Nasir Adderley out of Delaware, and sure enough he was there on the board. So I wouldn't be surprised, man. I was actually thinking receiver there. I was looking for receiver there. Uh, one of these, you know, top I guess top of uh, the class of receivers. It's a pretty deep class, but. I think there are some that, like I had Jalen Rager in my other draft at that pick, and I would be really happy with that. And I was looking for him at this pick, and he wasn't there. But there was Delpit sitting right there, so snag Delpit. Take that and run with it. Yep. Man, that would feel so good about that if they got Delpit. Uh, let's go back to Father John. Father John, we've entered the third round. Who do you have for the third round pick for the Cowboys? 
Now, I am trying to go best player available, but at the same time, I'm going into this exercise thinking that Byron Jones is is out. So I'm trying to get a corner at some point. I really wanted to do it uh, in the first or second round. I didn't. So uh, Damon Arnett's still there at 82. I thought that was decent. I was really hoping for Bryce Hall, uh, and he ended up going three picks before. Um, So I I went with Damon Arnett, and I don't know. The Bryce Hall thing is interesting to me because... He was injured last year, but then like two years ago, he had like 21, 22 pass, pass deflections, like led the led college football in it. And I thought he was going to come out after that and he didn't. And so then he just plays another year. And obviously, you know, like I said, he deals with injuries, but I, I think if you get Bryce Hall there and at 82, I think you'd be in great shape. But uh, for me, it ended up coming down to Damon Arnett. And then uh, actually we thought about wide receiver there, KJ Hill at Ohio State. Um, but I ended up going with Arnett, different different Ohio State player. You know, Damon Arnett, that's a interesting name. Dane has kind of talked about people kind of getting to him. Uh, his sources around the league saying there's some character questions there. And, you know, if Dane says something about an Ohio State player too, you should probably really listen. The thing that kind of uh, makes me nervous about Arnett, aside from that, you know, uh, Dane kind of red flag um, that he had heard, He's got tiny, short arms, and that I, I really want my corners to have good arms so they can get up and play the ball. And he ran a four, five, six forty, which is something that I really didn't pick up on tape either. Much like with Cameron Dantzler, who we talked about a little bit. Um, you know, he, he is a guy who you see up in your face at the line of scrimmage. He is a, a confident guy. You know, he's going to bring in some attitude, uh, things like that, but. He, he is one of those guys who, to me, he ran a lot slower than he looked on, on tape. So, still pretty big questions on him. What are we talking about? We're talking about third round. Damon Arnett in the third round. I think that's that's his spot, man. I think that's his range. I think that's a good spot for him. I think a team would be happy to have him if he fell to you in the third round. So, I think that's, uh, I think that's a very interesting pick. For me, um, in the third round, I had... Uh, Cole Komet, Notre Dame tight end. And this is where it got strange for me on my board. I was going, huh? I didn't think I was going to be picking a tight end, to be honest with you guys. But there just wasn't a ton that was getting me si- excited on the board. Um, the th- the, the Wait, other thing t- you that had I- Cole Komet. Hold on. You had Cole, Cole Komet at 82? 82, yeah. yeah. There's no question that they would that they would do that. I mean, you, you essentially would get the best tight end in the draft at 82. I don't think there's any doubt that they would that they would jump at that. And I can't see him falling down that low. I ruled out Troutman because he's a small school guy. And then, you know, Cole Komet, I I don't know how teams are going to think about him. I could see him going late first. And I could truly see him going making it till early third. I really don't. I mean, yeah, I think second round's probably that, what I just described. He's <laughs> got what I laid out right there. But, yeah, so I had him still on the board of my mock, so I just went with it. So, Cole Komet – Probably not realistic. The other name that I, that I think was kind of realistic there, though, um, is Devin Duvernay, uh, you know, from Texas, the wide receiver. And then also um, Leaky Fotu, another defensive tackle from Utah. There's some names that were still on the board, you know, that I think the Cowboys would realistically consider. And I also want to mention that two picks before Komet went in the third round was safety Ashton Davis from California who is someone I think they should probably have a little interest in as well. But once Komet was there, I said, man, 
that means Witten's gone. They're probably ready to go uh, add a little tight end to the mix with probably one more one more year of Jarwin on the books. So Cole Komet, my third round pick, as weird as it sounds, that's what I ended up with. <laughs> I actually, and, and I promise I'm going to send you guys my mock draft to make to let you know I'm not cheating, but I really, right along with John, I took Damon Arnett um, at 82, and for a lot of the same reasons that John said, I mean, I think I think one thing about, about Arnett that gets lost a little bit is that the fact that he played opposite of Okuda and was able to hold on, hold his own, I think was pretty, was pretty good because he was getting targeted, and he was obviously the... I don't want to say the weak point, but you're not throwing at Jeffrey Okuda. And so I think the fact that he held his own there gives me a little bit of confidence that he's going he's going to be able to uh, to at least adapt. And, you know, we're talking third round here. This is we're not talking third overall. So, yeah, you're not looking for this guy to come in and just be a, you know, just shatter your mind or anything like that. So but for the third round, I think Damon Arnett, um, I, I feel pretty good about that one. And it also got to a point where. Again, if you look at my first two picks with Kinlaw and Weaver, um, I went defensive line. So at that point, I had to take someone in the secondary. And uh, and, and so um, that's kind of my thinking behind Damon Arnett. Yeah, I think that's a good spot, though, for him, man. I, I really do. I, and I think he'll probably go earlier than that unless the character stuff pops up again. But I think it's a really good spot for him. Uh, let's go over to Kent. Kent, third round, Dallas Cowboys pick. Who do you have? Yeah, I mentioned uh, wide receiver. Um, looked at the top of this class, and uh, one player stuck out to me. Maybe that's because I watched him play a lot, but I do think he has a skill set that can be developed, and we don't know what's going to happen with Amari. I assume they get Amari done, but this is a if not Amari. Um, with Courtney Davis, from Texas A&M. And I don't, I don't know your thoughts on him, KT. I'd be interested to hear what your analysis of him is. But the, really the only knock on him was he was a little bit injury prone. But, uh, I mean, this guy's got all the skills you want. It's a very crisp player. The, the crabs on the draft network compared him to Debo Samuel a little bit. It's just the way his movement. And uh, this guy can get vertical. Um, he's a bigger guy. He can run out of the slot. He can go wide. Um, just a really versatile wide receiver and uh, and a bigger dude. So I went with Courtney Davis at, uh, I guess, what, pick 82. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, an interesting guy. And he, you, you kind of throw him into that mix of all these wide receivers, and then you shake up the bag, and then you play bingo. You know, let the wide receiver right. ping pong ball pop up, and whoever you get to, you get. But he's interesting at 6'2", 205. He ran a four five four forty at the combine. I think he plays a little bit faster than that. Um, to me, you you nailed it, Kent, with the injuries. That's a big problem. But I think he's fast. I think he offers versatility playing inside and outside. I think he does a little bit of both. And his his strongest trait is just how he handles the ball after the catch. Um, right. You know, he is a guy who can go take it to the house at any time. If you just get the ball into his hands, he's not the best route runner. He needs to tighten that up. He's not always going to go catch the ball with his hands. He's had some drop issues and things like that. But he, getting separation was never much of a problem, despite his you know route running. He's just such a such a fast guy. You know, I just think he plays really quick. When you play so quick, and you give your quarterback a big target, you know, good catch radius and things like that. You can really help. And I, I just think more than anything, the way he plays with his hair on fire after he catches the ball and is 
looking to just swerve through traffic like that one guy in that car chase last night who was trying to get across the freeway. I don't know if y'all saw that. Um, <laughs> Courtney Davis is just going through traffic. It doesn't matter. Like He'll cut it up the middle and get those explosive plays. Yeah, this is not a guy who's going to catch the ball on a wide receiver screen and just run out of bounds after five yards. Like He's looking to go make an explosive play. I like him. Uh, my my grade on him is like a you know late three early four. This is that's his area probably with this wide receiver class. Maybe he does drop out of the top one hundred just because who knows how these teams are going to value the top twenty wide receivers in this class. But it's a guy if you brought him on the team, I would say man he's a building block going forward, and I can also uh, specially design some plays. Oh, but you know what? For the sake of being sexy in headlines, I'd rather have Courtney Davis than Des Bryant next year. I'll put it that way. You know, kind of look at it wow. that way. Yeah, I mean, he's my wide receiver. Four. Yeah, somebody to develop. He he didn't. He had a crappy quarterback at A and M too. I think that should yes. be noted too. Like he shined despite, you know. I guess that big target was something that Kellen Mond needed. But I'd like to see what he can do with a quarterback that can get him the ball. <laughs> he's an inconsistent player, but you bring him into the system and, and see what you can do. I mean, with McCarthy. And, and, you know, I don't know if he gets a lot of credit for this, and maybe it's not all him or anything. It's definitely not all him. You know who was an inconsistent player the first couple of years in the league was Devontae Adams. Like, and that was a second-round pick, you know, late uh, middle second-round pick. And, you know, it helps to have Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. But, like, Devontae Adams was not just some guy who out the shoot was, was tearing things up. He had a lot of drops. He was a mental mess at times. And in that system, they were able to get things going with him and turn him into what I think is a top five wide receiver in the league. So I think that's an interesting pick. Anytime we're talking about these wide receivers in this draft, I'm definitely intrigued just because of how insane this class is. But that takes us to the fourth round, guys. The Cowboys picking at 113. Um, we will go to Father John Mashota. And if you would, please reset your top three picks before you uh, holler out your fourth as well. Yeah, so this fourth-round pick, this is my favorite outside of getting Javon Kinlaw uh, at, in my first round at 17 because, uh, again, just as you guys were talking about the wide receivers, there just was so much good wide receiver depth, and it, and it has continued all the way into the top of the fourth. And so because I already took Kinlaw, I already took um, uh, Kyle Duggar, and I already took Damon Arnett, I was looking at a wide receiver here because the value was just so good. Now, if I would not have taken... Uh, Kinlaw in the first round, and uh, maybe I get a wide receiver at another point. I'm I'm even fine waiting wide receiver out at this point if this draft fell this way because Jordan Elliott from Missouri was still there, and so if oh, I wow. didn't get a defensive tackle like that, to me just stands out so much. Like if 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 I didn't get Kinlaw, it'd be great to get Elliott at this point. Um, but I end up going with KJ Hill. Uh, he's a senior bowl guy. I just really liked watching him at the senior bowl. He just seems like a guy that would be almost a younger version of uh, how you could use Randall Cobb. I mean, I do expect Randall Cobb to be back, but, you know, he's at his, in his late 20s. You get a guy like K.J. Hill, I think you can just use him in a variety of different ways. And so it came down to I, I end up picking him. Uh, but, I mean, just to give you an example of some of the other uh, wide receivers that are out there, you know, Davis, as you guys mentioned, he was there. Colin Johnson from Texas was there, as was Devin Duvernay. And uh, so that for me, it came down to Duvernay and uh, uh, KJ Hill. So I pulled the trigger KJ Hill at 113, and, and I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, KJ Hill, one of those guys who is just smart player, know how to get open guy. Um, his 40 time at the combine was 4 6. And honestly, that ain't his game. His game ain't going and running a 4 3 5 or 4 4. You know, Henry rugs it down the field. 
His game is find the soft spot in the zone. There it is. Manipulate the guy in front of him to get open with your good route running. That's his game. And, you know, my my other – I mean, the speed is a concern with him. But my other concern with him – but I think this could drop a bit in this territory, John. Uh, his arm length, too. 29 and one-eighth inch arms. And for those of you who don't like keep up with the arm length measurements – what I'll basically say is there are 98% of wide receivers in this draft who have longer arms than him. So he's got and – and I like my guys on the outside to have long arms. I think that just helps give you a little more space to make a play. But, dude, K.J. Hill, I heard early in the draft process, Dane described him as a poor man's Jarvis Landry. And I'll be darned if you don't see that on tape. Just that kind of, hey, man, I'm going to go do the dirty work. I'm going to be a physical blocker in the run game. Um, I'm going to go over the middle. I'll play in the slot most of the time. I'm going to go over the middle. Not the most fast guy, but, man, I'm. I, after I do catch the ball, I can be a tough guy to tackle. Um, and I bring a little attitude to the system as well. Perfect slot replacement for Randall Cobb if you wanted to go that way because uh, I think he immediately could step in and play and be very successful. Um, so that's a – K.J. Hill I love, man. I, I, I don't know if he's still there at pick 113 in the fourth round, but – if he is third, fourth round consideration for any team, they're going to love what he brings to the team. Guys, I, I, this this pick right here for one thirteen for me is probably my favorite pick. And for I also went with wide receiver. Trust me, if I had KJ Hill though, I, I would definitely take him. Um, he was off the board. He he went off a few picks before mine. Um, I took obviously Javon Kinlaw in the first, then Curtis Weaver, then Damon Arnett. Those are all guys that. I mean, obviously, I watched them throughout the season, but um, but it was a lot more of after the season was over, watching film on them and all, all that. This guy that I took in the fourth round, though, at 113, um, might be a bit of a reach. I, I don't know if you you guys are going to poo-poo on my party, but I took Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, and this is a guy who I watched throughout the season. I was pretty impressed with him just based on his work that he's done. He had a revolving door at quarterback at USC. They were getting hurt and everything. Um, and then, you know, I was already kind of high on him and then, uh, and then he went to the combine, ran a four, five, two 40. Um, and, and really aside from his 40, his speed core, which, you know, factors in the, the height and weight. Um, he was in the 93rd percentile for that. Um, his short shuttle drill was a four, one, four, four, the second best in his position group ran a six, six, nine, uh, three cone drill. He he impressed a lot at the combine, and I already liked what I saw. I don't know if the like I don't know if the Cowboys will pick him, but whatever team does pick him, I'm riding with Michael Pittman Jr. in the NFL. You know, for him to have 101 catches with that quarterback situation at USC tells you a lot. Great hands, okay. I mean, and 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 long arms to go snatch the ball. I mean, that, that's what's really exciting about him. Um, and, and also, you know what? He, he can run a bunch of routes as well. It's not just like, you know, one of those bigger guys. He's just going to run the slant, the dig, and the and the go route. You know, he does all that stuff. And I think he runs pretty gracefully. You know, he's, again, not a burner or anything like that. But I also don't think he's slow. I think the way he runs because he's so big, it just kind of looks awkward. He can get right. going once he gets his long strides going. Uh, I think that's an excellent pick right there in the fourth. He's going to go help Dak win those 50-50 balls to the back shoulder. Um, separation, not always going to be his forte, but he's got those long arms, and he can kind of get his own manual separation just by 
his size and able to do it that way rather than, you know, making a juke move on a guy and then creating two yards of separation that way. So, Michael Pittman, and I would be highly surprised if he's there at that spot, like you said, but very, very interesting right there. Um, For me, my first picks were Javon Kinlaw, A.J. Terrell, the corner from Clemson. Weirdly, Cole Komet from Notre Dame was there. My fourth-round pick is a Tennessee edge rusher by the name of Daryl Taylor. Uh, Daryl Taylor had a very uh, had a very strange career, and he didn't even work out at the combine. He's a little banged up. But Daryl Taylor is a fun guy who has that juice off the edge that we're kind of talking about, a speed rusher, maybe a little different than the A.J. Epinesa uh, situation. Yeah, he was a senior bowl guy. He had eight and a half sacks last year. Then he had eight sacks this year. Um, the question for me with him, the measurables are there. Uh, the speed to get around the edge on tape is there. Um, usually just kind of attacking the outside shoulder when he's, you know, rushing the passer. Uh, but but he had some bend. And as Jerry likes to say, have, having that little gumby. Um, to me, it's all in the head. There are times on tape where you go, oh, he didn't know if that was going to be a run or a pass play. And he's kind of hesitant. But when he just goes and he plays and he plays hard, he's very hard to stop off the edge. And that's kind of my fourth round edge rush value type guy uh, of this draft. Daryl Taylor of Tennessee. And maybe he goes in the third. But uh, he's a guy who kind of ran hot and cold. But he's an exciting guy if you got him in the fourth round. I was excited when the Cowboys took Dorrance Armstrong a few years ago. I thought Dorrance had a little juice. And Daryl Taylor is kind of of the same ilk, but might have a little more to offer, playing a little bigger competition in the SEC at Tennessee. Um, you know, I think he's got a little bit of, a little bit more to offer maybe than Dorrance Armstrong had. So Daryl Taylor's my fourth round pick. Over to Kent. Fourth round. Who do you got, Kent? Yeah, John kind of mentioned him earlier. I haven't really addressed the interior of the defensive line yet so far in my draft. This guy was sitting there, seemed to be a solid player, a player who seems to be getting better. He's an ascending player, and he's got run-stop capability. Uh, He's strong. He has the ability to penetrate. So I went with Jordan Elliott from Missouri here uh, in the fourth round. I think what are your they, thoughts on him, KT? I think they would be thrilled if he was there. I, I really mm-hmm. do. And, you know, Jordan Elliott might be in consideration for them uh, in the second round. He might be in consideration for them in the third round. And if he's there, I think he'd definitely be in consideration for the fourth round. Again, short arms kind of always bothers me a little bit. But 6'4", 302, he ran a 540. Um, you know, he had, some, he had a pretty good combine, a decent combine, I would say. You know, for me, just what you said, though, kind of guy who, depending what they do with their defensive front, I think he could play the one technique and be give you more than what we've seen over the years. I mean, think about it. I think he would be an upgrade over Antoine Woods immediately, which, you know, that type of thing. Sometimes he plays a little high, and that's a bit of a problem. But 6'4", 325, and we're not running in the, the 5'11 guys anymore. I don't really want to do that too much. And that's not a – those shots fired at Antoine Woods, but there's there's just you can get these bigger guys in this draft. So I I like him. I think he uh, can also push the pocket a little bit when rushing the passer. I think he gives you a little bit there as well. And he's not one of those guys that just makes plays right there where he's at. Sometimes those bigger guys just have guys fall into him. You know, you'll see him chase a guy down on a 
run outside a stretch play to the left, you know. You'll see him get out there on the hash and on the numbers and sometimes, you know, make a play, showing some hustle. So, I love Jordan Elliott. I think that's a that's a great pick, especially uh, in the fourth round. Fifth round action, John Mashota. Who oh. do you have? Now, I don't love this pick as much, um, but unlike you guys, <laughs> uh, I don't have an edge rush. I don't have an edge rusher up to this point. And so, um, I will say that, uh, what's his name was slipping a little bit. Um, Devin Asiasi, the tight end out of UCLA. And I was kind of intrigued by him if he had made it there, but he went a few picks before. Um, so I went with the edge rusher and I went with a kid out of Miami by the name of Jonathan Garvin. And so the reason behind this is because of a lunch I had with Dane Brugler, uh, right before I left the combine last Saturday. And I asked Dane specifically, if the Cowboys don't get an edge rusher early in this draft, I'm looking for somebody maybe middle to late that could be like maybe, you know, what Max Crosby was last year, fourth round pick to the Raiders, ends up getting 10 sacks. And then there's been some other guys like Yannick Nagakwe, he was a third round pick in 2016. Daniel Hunter was a third round pick in 2015. And so he gave me some names, and one of the names he gave me was Garvin out of Miami, and he just said that basically that... The reason why he kind of liked him is because he's super gifted and he just really hasn't put everything together. It's just one of those guys where there's still some question marks there. And if he felt like if you get him with the right coaching staff, that maybe you can get something out of him uh, and potentially be there in the fourth or fifth round of a guy that he has upside, but you don't have to use like a top 100 pick on him. And so I'll be honest with you. I went with that because there just wasn't a lot out there that I really liked. I like it. it. What it was interesting though, is if I wouldn't have taken KJ Hill the round before, and let's say maybe I would have went with Ed Rusher there. Uh, Devin Duvernay was still available here at 146. And so, again, I think that that would be great value. That would fit well with what they have at wide receiver. Again, I'm expecting Amari Cooper to be back. And uh, you pair him with Michael Gallup and, and Randall Cobb. Uh, he'd be intriguing, too, for me uh, on the inside. But because I already, I already gone KJ Hill, I end up going with an edge rusher that has some upside who might never end up being anything. I think if you're finding any of these uh, edge rushers on day three are very intriguing because you're trying to find that. I think Max Grosby is a great example of a guy who you go, man, that'd be great to have him. With Garvin, you see it. You see the bend. You see the athleticism. What you don't see is him playing with his hands, uh, you know, using his strength to, to kind of win and things like that. You know, you kind of see a lot of wasted effort in his pass rush instead of just having a tight, you know, route to the quarterback and, and it kind of wasted steps and things like that. So I think, you know, Dane's the scouting report, obviously spot on right there. Just got to put it together. We're talking about a fifth round pick here, though. The guy with that athleticism in the fifth round, sign me up all day. Let's go. I'm all about that. So Garvin's a good name to keep in mind uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, guys, for me in the fifth round, it's going to be a name that we haven't talked about much. It is a safety out of Georgia. His name is J.R. Reed. Um, he is the son of Jake Reed, remember, former Viking great. Um, he's actually from Prestonwood. Um, was a three-year starter at Georgia. Had five interceptions in three years. Um, but he is a he is, he is a strong safety. I mean, he's a good blitzer. He's a good tackler. He's a guy who is not very fast. And he's a guy who does not have a lot of range when it comes to covering. But if I need that come down in the box and be my tackler and we're going to commit to Xavier Woods as kind of a, a full-time free safety, J.R. Reed in the fifth round's a name. If, if you're not able to get the Duggar or Jeremy Chin or Ashton Davis 
or Delpit Man, or McKinney funny about or that? Antoine Winfield. Some of those safeties we've been talking about in the first two days. Played against a day Reed. three safety that I like a little bit for, <laughs> uh, to be a strong safety yeah, is J.R. Reed from played Georgia. played against him. Uh, uh, I took him uh, right uh, there just, in the just fifth se- round. Uh, yeah, just seven on seven um, here because he's from Prestonwood Christian. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually, I've actually tossed the ball to him a couple of times. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't. I wish he was. In Football? the G League? Uh, or what? Yes. He, he's a year younger than I am. So, uh, but yeah, but anyways, I digress. Uh, no, I think J.R. Reed is J.R. Reed is a good one. Um, you know that that would be very interesting. Um, and I, 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 if he was on my board, I, I, I would think about it. I also took a safety there. Interesting. Um, but I, I, yeah, yeah. But uh, the number one pass defense in college football this year was Ohio State, and I took Damon Arnett. Um, with my third pick at number 82. And I'm getting the band back together. Right. I got Jordan Fuller, um, safety out of Ohio State, um, here with this pick. Uh, you know, there, there, there's some there's some concerns there, obviously, with where we're picking and all that stuff. But um, just purely based on um, how that secondary played and how he kind of fit into it, um, it, it was one where I'm willing to take a flyer on him at that point. Yeah, and to, Fuller's a little bit slower than J.R. Reed, but, you know, I, I think he's another guy, strong safety type guy, and that's a good name, just like I thought J.R. Reed. Jordan Fuller's a good name to keep in mind. And let me tell you a little fun fact on Jordan Fuller. His mom uh, was, a, was a singer. Right, she is a singer, a professional singer. She has worked with those of uh, the likes of Bruce Springsteen, the Rolling Stones, and Whitney Houston in her past. So I want Jordan Fuller to be a cowboy just so we could possibly do an interview with his mom. Just to kind of see what it, what, what it was like uh, backup singing for the Rolling Stones. That sounds pretty was awesome. She, uh, Heck yeah. she the singer on Gimme Shelter, KT? You know, I, I don't think she was the one. <laughs> 20 Feet from Stardom, you see that movie? I didn't see that movie. I feel like I need, oh. uh, I need to. Yeah, you need to check that out. Yeah, it's about backup singers for big bands. It's a good, good movie. Ooh, I would like that. I would absolutely like that. Um, I would also, I mean, look, I can, I'll do the research here and find out. Maybe she was. Maybe she has some album credits for some of these acts. I mean, there's some big acts. Uh, Whitney Houston, the Rolling Stones, or Bruce Springsteen. Uh, so, yeah, there's some safety, strong safety options for day three. Jordan Fuller, J.R. Reed, Ohio State, Georgia, two big schools. Um, what do you have for us right there, Kent, in round five? Yeah, I'm going defense heavy in this draft. We all know the needs on this defense. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen in free agency given some of these DBs. We don't know what this coaching staff thinks about these these current DBs. So I went with uh, another corner uh, cornerback uh, here. It's Lamar Jackson from Nebraska. Senior, six foot two, according to this list. I don't know if his combine height weight, but. Good overall athleticism. He's a guy who uh, is good in coverage, good technique, long player, rangy guy, to use a, a Brian Broaddus quote there. But he, the thing that jumped out to me, he's got some ball skills. He could possibly be an impact player on defense, maybe get a couple interceptions for you. But, you know, not guaranteed he'd make the team to be drafted this late, but I'd like to put him in camp and see what he can do. And uh, seems to be pretty good value for the pick there uh, as cornerback Lamar Jackson is my, it looks like my fifth round pick here. Yeah. And talk about traits, right? Length, 6'2", 208. Right. I mean, he's got those uh, long arms, all those types of things. 
and a competitive player. You guys saw him at the Senior Bowl. You know, a very competitive player. A little stiff sometimes. You know, his, his, he ran a four five eight at the combine, which is not exciting. So he's not like the the speed of the other Lamar Jackson. But that's a name and a competitive player that you'd like to have as some cornerback depth. That I think can kind of stick around. Uh, you know, as a, as cornerback depth on a roster. Uh, let's go to the seventh round here because uh, the Cowboys didn't get to play ball in the sixth round, unfortunately. At least now, I'm sure. After all the trades start happening, I'm sure they'll have a six-round pick in this draft. But we get to the seventh-round pick for the Dallas Cowboys. John Mashota, fill out your Cowboys final mock draft. Yeah, I mean, I already I already took Kinlaw in the first round, so I have an interior defensive lineman. But I'm I just like the value here with Benito Jones, uh, just a big dude, six one three twenty out of Ole Miss. Um, I really think that the Cowboys are going to be addressing this defensive tackle position. Uh, in this draft at some point because it's pretty clear that Mike McCarthy is looking for a different type of defensive tackle than what the Cowboys have had in the past. And so uh, when you're the Dallas Cowboys, you have quite an advantage at this point where I really feel like you can just take the best player that you think another team is going to draft because the Cowboys are one of the best teams in undrafted free agency. I mean, just every year it seems like they are able to pull in a few guys here or there that you're like, wow, I thought that guy would get drafted. I mean, last year kind of stood out to me. I did not, I did not think a Clemson offensive tackle, Mitch Hyatt, was going to come to the Cowboys and sign with them in in undrafted free agency. I just, where did you think, like, where do you think you're going to fit in there? Um, but they just have a draw. And then same thing with Daniel Wise, uh, Chris Westry. John Vea Johnson. These are guys, I mean, they were able to sign after the draft. And, the, and because the Cowboys have that ability, I think in this position, you can kind of reach maybe a little bit for a position that maybe you already drafted earlier. But uh, Benito Jones interesting to me because when I did my mock draft that KT and I uh, broke down with Dane uh, last week, you know, I reached out to Dane when I was doing it and I asked him about Benito Jones. And I had originally had him in, to the Cowboys in this exact position as their seventh round pick. And he told me, he goes, man, I'd bump that thing up maybe to the, the to the fifth round because I think he's going to be off the board uh, earlier than that. And so I ended up adjusting to it uh, after talking to him about that. Now, so, again, I, I already got Kinlaw, but I just thought the value was too great here to pass up. You don't see 320 pounds who are shaped like him is 6'1". Like, there's a difference in Kinlaw being 320 and 6'5", 6'6", right? Benito Jones is 320 at 6'1". So he's got a little bad weight on him, or at least it looks bad. He's on the ground a lot. That's my biggest problem with him is he's sometimes just on the ground. You know he kind of reminds me of, though? A uh, guy who I did he, – he went pretty late in the draft to Seattle. Puna Ford from Texas. You know, kind of that smaller but bigger guy. And I started to think about Mike McCarthy's defense of the year. What if they do shift to a 3-4? If that happens, you know, they had B.J. Raji for years – kind of man in the middle. Benito Jones is not that type of player, but he is good defensive tackle depth and size who can play the run, can take on double teams. I, I, I like Benito Jones, man. That's a that's a really great seventh-round value pick. Uh, for me, my seventh-round pick, another guy who I don't think will be on the board, Boise State connection right here, wide receiver John Hightower. Um and, and for the Cowboys, he would fit that mold of, well, he's going to do what Cedric Wilson was asked to do, except he's going to be better at it and also be more of a, a speed guy. You know, for him, he's a guy who had 16 carries uh, last year at Boise State. Um, you know, he's a, he was had 25 yards per kickoff return. 
His speed is his biggest trait. He's a shifty guy. You're going to get him involved in jet sweeps. He's going to be a much better version of Lucky Whitehead, who you wanted, you know, or try to get involved in the offense a couple years ago. And just another dynamic piece to the offense and that Boise State connection. I always think about that. So, uh, John Hightower uh, is my seventh round pick for the Cowboys, although I, I really don't think he'll be there uh, at that point. Uh, let's go to Saad. Uh, my seventh round pick, I'm really taking a flyer here because. Um, I, I, I saw this kid play a lot, uh, this past season or throughout his college career, just because he's in the big 12 and all that stuff. But, um, I, I really went heavy on the, on the defensive line early in my draft with Ken Law and Curtis Weaver. Then I like Damon Arnett for corner, but I do think that you just for sheer numbers, because if Byron Jones does walk and who knows what they do, um, with Anthony Brown and, and things like that. I think you just need to have another corner there, and that's why I took AJ Green out of Oklahoma State. Yeah, and uh, and you know I, li- I like I like his potential. Um, now I, you know especially with a team that's going to be cornerback hungry like the Cowboys are, I think he could find himself a, a little spot. Uh, remember, they took Anthony Brown. What was that in the sixth round in 2016? And I, I, yes, sir. I, yeah, and I, th- I think he panned out quite well for a sixth round pick, and I see AJ Green with the with the potential for a similar result there. You know who my name, I'm going to throw two names out there. There's one I think could fall a little bit. One's a tiny guy, uh, Louisiana Tech's Amik Robertson, 14 interceptions in three years, but he's had a groin injury. He's my kind of sixth round cornerback guy who could, who has like a third round grade. And then the other guy for me is Reggie Robinson from Tulsa. Who he's a little he's he's not tiny guy he's tall you know lanky guy, but another guy who I just have a really good grade on you know third fourth round grade on who I think could go in the sixth or seventh round Reggie Robinson and Amik Robertson I think are realistic names you kind of keep in mind and go yes we got a good player if they fall late in the draft but I like that thinking right there with AJ Green too man. Um, you know a, a really good uh, you know career at Oklahoma State. Um, he's going to get flagged. That's his thing. He's so grabby. If he would stop being a little grabby, play a little more disciplined, you know, you might have something to work with there. That's a good project as well. Um, Kent Garrison, round out your Cowboys mock draft. All right. Just so to recap here at AJ Epinesa, round one, Grant Delpit, round two, Courtney Davis, three, Jordan Elliott, four, Lamar Jackson, five, skipping round six, and. I went offensive line here just because uh, we had Connor McGovern last year. We don't, I don't guess we don't know if he's going to be fully healthy or active this year. We don't, I mean, I, I'm not that plugged into that. John, what's the word on, on his health? Is he going to be yeah. a part of things? Yeah. He had a pec injury that uh, when he was practicing, he had it coming into the <clears throat> season. And then as he was practicing, it got worse and, uh, so we really didn't see him out on the field very much. He was doing a lot more uh, training off to the side and things like that. But no, he's expected to be full of go and ready to compete in everything uh, this offseason. So it's shaping up that it's going to be Connor McGovern uh, competing, you know, for that starting left guard spot there uh, against Connor Williams. So uh, that's kind of where they're at there. I, I think whoever the best man is out of those two gets the starting job and then you just piece him in with the rest of the guys. But going offensive line here makes a lot of sense too because. You always could use depth there, and why not take a, a chance at, at some young guy that, uh, hey, maybe one day you end up developing into uh, a piece that maybe he's a swing tackle or something. 
Yeah, the value for the pick seems seemed really good here. This guy's from the University of Georgia. We know how good Georgia has been running the football the past few seasons. Uh, the Cowboys are a run-heavy team. I imagine they'll want to re- remain a run-heavy team under Mike McCarthy. So I went with Solomon Kinley, the interior offensive lineman from Georgia. The the stat I have here, or measurements I have here, is 6'4", 336 pounds. Really big guy, can use his feet well. He's got a lot of punch to him, can get to the second level. And, uh, yeah, like you said, John, I don't think you can ever have too much depth on the offensive line, especially when he's a guy that's used to uh, used to being on a run-heavy team already. And uh, he'll probably look to continue that in the NFL. But, KT, do you have any thoughts on on Kenley? Have you studied him yet? Yeah, no, and that's that's kind of that area for him. Mm-hmm. I think you know, late day flyer, and you you hope that you can kind of take advantage of his girth and size and turn that into something more. Like he he didn't have athletic testing at the combine, and you kind of go, okay, uh, it probably wouldn't have been good for him anyways. Like the numbers and the drills would have been good, but those three hundred forty pound guys. All you got to do is get off the ball. You know the snap count. Right. Get off the ball and just kind of get your body in the way. Zeke Zeke can find the holes and Zeke can get through it. Just kind of get in the way. I, I thought, you know, I remember when Ronald Leary left, and I think everyone in the world was like, man, it'd be great to have Ronald Leary back. That's been a problem this whole time. Just getting that left guard solidified. Solomon Kinley, perfect type of – uh, you know, late round guy and, and see what happens with him. Just like what happened with Ronald Leary back in well, whatever year that was. You know, that type of thing. Because that's that's what you're looking for there. And you're looking for those traits. He's got the size, man, to go play, go be my left guard and, and go tear it up. So, that's kind of where I'm at on Solomon Kenley. Yeah. Um, he's got short arms. It's going to bother people a little bit and things like that. But, again, you'll see a lot of 6'4", 340-pound dudes yeah. who are ready – to go, you know, play big time college football. Like you said, you did see him get to the linebackers. He can move a little bit. You know, it's not elite level, but he can move a little bit. It's seventh round area, man. Let's go sure. get a guard like that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and and like you said, what's encouraging to me is that he played in the SEC. Uh, he played in the SEC championship game against Quentin Williams. So yeah. I mean, he's played against big time players. So uh, this is a guy who seems like the NFL transition wouldn't be that much of a transition for him man i think this has been a fun exercise and i think we should do it, it again would you guys want to do this again we'll, uh, yeah, right we'll, now let's start another one <laughs> start over um, i like it let's go we'll, i got we'll to do another one closer to the draft we'll let some pro days happen and things like that uh, kt and then I, I would assume a week or two before the draft we'll we'll, we'll do another mock draft for sure see where I, we're at i like i like that after Today's free agency March. after after we know what the cowboys have addressed yeah yeah, we're recording this on March 6th, maybe kind of that April 6th, April 7th, April 10th area. You know, maybe we'll do another one because I think we can be a little more realistic with our needs and what we're looking for. And and maybe some other teams can be realistic about their needs. You know, draft needs can change for for all teams, too. It's not just us. You know, 31 other teams' draft needs are going to change as well, and that could affect things falling down the board. So uh, I had a blast doing this, guys. Thank you for, uh, for hanging out with me. I, I really appreciate you guys doing this. You know, I'm doing I another one. Like be involved. I'm doing another one right so now. You're Let's gonna see. do it. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> All right. All right. So they're on the you're, clock. You're getting it. I'm at, I'm at 17 right now. Uh, C.J. Henderson just went 
Kinlaw there again. I don't know what's wrong with this website. They just really don't like <laughs> Kinlaw. I mean, this is, I just really feel like if the Cowboys end up with him, they're going to be pretty pleased. So, hey, maybe this yeah. all works out. Yeah, maybe there's some medical questions too that'll push him to us. I didn't think about that. So, uh, well, let's uh, wrap it up for the great Saad Youssef back in the game. For Father John Mashoda and for Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin KT Turner. And this has been a Cowboys seven round mock draft edition of About Them Cowboys. See you next time.